I found this interesting. I, I want to share a conversation that Jesus has with Mary and Martha, and his disciples are part of that conversation. But what I found interesting is in the book of John, the book of John is quite a bit different than the other three Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar in uh, context, although they're written to a different audience. Um, they're very similar, but John comes through and it's a different picture. Some people think that John wrote this epistle or this gospel late, close to the year 100. So it wasn't written necessarily when the events happened, but it's almost written after the fact. Um, and some people believe that he was asked to write it, um, whereas some of the other gospels were written earlier. And John, as he's writing this gospel, there's a few things. If you read the book of John, the picture of Jesus, he is portrayed in a quite a different manner than the other gospels. Um, his, his look is different. He has conversations more. He, you don't see a lot of something. You don't see a lot of parables in John. But you see a lot of the person of Jesus in John. And he has conversations. And many times he has conversations. He has one conversation with Nicodemus that almost takes a whole chapter. And that conversation, it's interesting because when he speaks, Nicodemus hears him but completely misses what he's saying. And he's, Jesus says, you must be born again. And, and Nicodemus goes, well, how can I go back into my mother's womb and be born? And he wasn't trying to be silly or sarcastic. He was just saying, this terminology, this what you're saying, how, how does that work? And then, and then another conversation Jesus has is with the woman at the well. And he goes, can you give me something to drink? And she goes, well, and, and she goes about to give him something to drink. And then he says, now, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask him for a drink. And it completely goes right over her head. And she goes, well, what are you? And, and, and she can't figure it out. And she says, well, let me go. And, and she goes back into town and, and she says something to the effect of her husband or, or Jesus says to the man and she says, no, he's not. And he says, yeah, that's right. You've been married five times, and the man you're with now isn't your own. And, and he talks about giving her living water. Completely misses it. That continues, that conversation continues, and his disciples come back, and they say to him, you know, what are you doing talking to this lady? Because she was a Samaritan. And he says, well, I, the, the food that I get, and, the, and the, the, that I get satisfied is through doing his work. And the disciples missed it. You continue reading and you find out that he, he sees a crowd of 5,000 people that he's ministering to. And he says to his disciples, give them something to eat. And they've been with him for a couple days. 5,000. Some people say it was 5,000 men. To me, it doesn't matter whether it's 5,000 people or 5,000 men plus. I mean, it's a lot of people. And they have five loaves and two fish. And he says, give them something to eat. Completely over their head. 
And so when you read the book of John, you'll see some of these conversations that Jesus has that when he speaks, he speaks at a different level than we necessarily hear. And in this conversation, in this context, and in this passage, it's the same thing. And I'd like to read a number of verses, and then I've got some thoughts that I'd like to share with you. And we're going to start right away in verse 1, and I'm reading out of the New King James Version. By the way, the worship this morning and the thoughts and the words of God, one of them was spirit breakout. Anybody here could say, you know what, I could use a bit of God's spirit breaking out in my life. Okay? Another thing was new things, and he's going to pour out afresh. Another thought that came was we're standing on the edge or on the prepices. And then Sean shared from Isaiah 58, and I love the phrase, the heart of God. The heart. When you meet somebody and you talk with them and you get to hear their heart. In Isaiah 58, Jesus or God is sharing his heart to that nation. I believe this morning, I believe in, as we go through this passage, I believe God's going to break through in your life. I believe God's going to give you some thoughts and some revelation in areas in your life that you thought you could never do or were gone or passed or f finished, and it's going to be birthed afresh and anew. So I want, to, I want to join with the Holy Spirit as he's been speaking this morning, and I want to share with you this passage, and then I've got some thoughts that I'd like to give you that, that the Holy Spirit shared with me. So verse 1, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and his sister Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he who you love is sick. And Jesus, when he heard that, listen to this. Sometimes God responds to you in this manner. Lord, I'm in trouble. And he says, uh, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. I'm not sure how comforting that was to the sisters that sent guys out to get Jesus. Have you ever asked for somebody to help? And I'm the kind of person, when I ask somebody to help, I expect them to help. So tomorrow, when you come to help with these bikes, I expect you to help and not to bring your coffee cup and say, let's sit down and talk. I'm expecting you to get your hands dirty. I'm expecting you to bend over. I'm expecting you to feel the tire and say, it needs pumping. I'm expect and, and so when we ask people things, we have an expectation of our request. And if somebody's sick, I'm not asking Pastor Nelson, hey, Pastor Nelson, somebody's sick in my house. Um, and that's what they didn't even say, come quickly. This, the word just says that they just said, we just want you to know that Lazarus is sick. So you call somebody and you say, I just want you to know I've got somebody not well in my family. And you just say, okay, well, God, it's going to be to God's glory. No, I, I want you here. 
like Alan shared this morning, what's going on? Can we be, we've had conversations like that with God. And this conversation with Jesus. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days. My. He stayed two more days in the place where he stayed. I like to ask a question and get an answer immediately. I just ask my two sons. They work in the office with me, and I sit down with them, and I give them some instructions, and I expect them to drop everything and to do what I've said. And they go back to their desk, and they keep working on what was urgent, and Dad sits down and goes, why aren't they running up and down the hallway doing what I thought? And Jesus gets this request, and he decides to stay two more days. Anybody here ever ask God for something? Have you ever experienced delay? Have you ever experienced like, Lord, I was, I was asking for this breakthrough and this, this isn't well, this isn't right. And you seem to be like doing nothing. I've experienced that. And so after a while, in verse 7, he says, let's go up to Judea again. Now, if you understand, what happened was he was just kind of chased out of Judea, just a couple passages in, in the previous chapter. And his disciples are saying, well, you went from here to this area, and now you want to go back. Do you realize what's going to happen? You're going to, they, they want to kill you. They, they want to get you. So if you can skip down, And verse 11, it says, And these things he said, and after he said to them, he says, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. And his disciples said, Well, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. I want you to understand that sometimes when God speaks to you, and I would suggest oftentimes when he speaks to you, it's at this level. And my hearing is at this level. And Jesus is speaking in, in a language and in a level that's up here. And his disciples are down here. And what's really funny about this is the disciples actually hear and understand more from Jesus than the crowds do. Because he told them, I'll tell you parables because you'll understand parables, but everybody else doesn't. Sometimes God's going to speak to you, and you're not going to understand exactly what he says. Don't stop there. If I could be so simple as to say, ask the question that's in your head. Well, Jesus, I thought he was asleep. He's going to be okay. And Jesus says to him, well... Lazarus is dead. Have you ever had to tell somebody, you're trying to tell them something and they're not getting it? Have you ever? 
I've had situations, maybe I'm not a good communicator, but I've had situations where I've tried to say something, and I walk away, and it, they didn't get it. And so finally, you just have to say, uh, it ain't going to work. Uh, that situation, it's, that ship has sailed, and they don't understand what the word ship has sailed means. And so you have to sit down and say, it's not going to happen. And here he says, guys, I use the word he sleeps. I use the word that he's going to get better. And you guys were thinking it's down here. I'm speaking up here. So let me just be real simple with you. He's dead. How many here have situations in your life that you thought God breathed into that now when you look at them, you say, huh, it looks dead. Now, I'm not talking about friendships that you shouldn't have friends with. I'm talking about God birthed dreams in your heart. God birthed passion inside of you. God's been with you in things. And now all of a sudden, for some reason, if you were to look at it, you would just say, it's dead. It's never going to happen. Now, I don't know of any greater ex expression than life and death to make this point. And Lazarus is the example here. And he says, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, but that you may believe. Nevertheless, let's go to him. And so if you continue down, I want to get to Verse 20, and now Mara, Martha, not Mara, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would have not died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. What a statement. What a statement. I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. She has her brother who's just passed away. And in the Jewish tradition, they would have three days of intense mourning. Of wailing over the deceased. They would have a week of mourning, but the first three days there was intensity in it. And it is in this emotion and in this intensity and in this crying out and this groaning, she says, why weren't you here sooner? The pain that I'm feeling is great. Nevertheless, I know whatever I ask of you, you'll do. What I find amazing is she expresses that and Jesus responds, and he says, your brother will rise again. And she says, yeah, of course, in the resurrection. Jesus just said something, and it just flew right over her head. Jesus said, he'll rise again. Yeah, in the resurrection. Do you notice the words that Jesus says and the responses and I would suggest to you those responses are just natural responses. Okay? I'm not, I, 
these are just natural responses. I've had those conversations where somebody is full of faith and they say something to me, God's going to take care of this. And I go, yeah, in the sweet by and by. And somebody's speaking faith and I'm speaking what I'm kind of seeing. The funny thing is the faith is also speaking what it's seeing. And the faith sees what Jesus sees. Jesus saw what his father was doing. So Jesus looks at something and he sees what he sees God doing and he speaks to that. What situation in your life is God speaking to that is speaking from this level and you're living at this level? I believe there's some dead things in your life that God wants to raise up. I believe there's dreams that you have put on hold or even said they're gone or they're away with. I believe there's some financial things. I believe there's relationships that you have said, no, this relationship is broken. But no, when Jesus speaks, all of a sudden that comes alive and he speaks what he sees and what he sees the Father doing. And he speaks that, and what he's doing is he's giving an invitation to the disciples and to Martha and to Mary to say, come and join me here and see that your brother will live. And this morning I'm here to tell you, come with me and see what Jesus sees about your situation. Your situation is not lost. Your situation is not gone. Your situation is not even dead. Your situation is sleeping. It will arise again. And we sit there and we say, no, because this happened, this happened. He's been pronounced dead for two or three days. We've been crying and warning and we've been weeping and nailing and it's just been all anguish. And he says, no, that's not what I see. And we see... So often, from our eyes of, of the natural. And Jesus, in his conversations that he's had with these people, he's seeing from the eyes of the spiritual, from the eyes of reality, from the eyes of possibility, from the eyes of heaven. And he sees what God is doing, and he says, no, that's not what's happening here. The fish and the loaves. No, that's not just two and five. That's enough for everybody. He says, no, that isn't, he's not dead, he's sleeping. And then he finally says, fine, if you want to say he's dead, he's dead. But I'm telling you, he's going to come again. He's going to rise again. I'll give you a few thoughts here. Jesus knows your need. He knew the need when he was in a different township. He knew the need when he was sick, not when he was dead. Jesus knows the needs that you have. He knows what you need. He knows what you're short on. He knows what is breaking your heart. He knows what is t pulling at your heart springs. He knows that. I also want to tell you, if you look at verse 4, he has the answer. And this is just the setting in verse 4, he says, the sickness is not unto death, but the glory of God. God looks at your situation, and he says, that's not to death. That's just so that I can get glory. I think we need to start giving God more glory. 
We need to start saying he's the one who did this. This morning, our worship was giving God the glory. This morning, our worship was glorifying Jesus. His name is the name above all names. We sang, if he be lifted up. He says in John, he says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto him. I think we've, we've, we need to start lifting him up. Because the word says, if we lift him up, he will draw all men unto him. So he's having this conversation with Martha. And in verse 24, Martha says, yeah, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus says to her, and this is the, the verse that I want you to see, and I'm sure many of you have heard this verse many times. But he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And I've got a few thoughts on these words. When he says, I am the resurrection, what he says, I am, means he exists already. But there's also another aspect of the word, I am. Have you ever gone to a store or gone somewhere and you're looking, say, for the manager or, or somebody that's going to help you in shipping and receiving? So you go to that area and you say, I'm looking for so-and-so. Do you know where he is? And he says, yeah, I am the one you're looking for. That's me. What he was saying was, I am the resurrection, was identical to the resurrection was who he was. Identical to the need, he is. Think about that. Either Jesus is the answer, or he's not. And I have lived a life too long in the middle. I pick and choose. No, he's the answer. And we use that word, and we, I mean, I grew up, Jesus is the answer for the world today. And, and we've sung songs like that, and sometimes I think we've almost made it so simple that we've forgotten the power that is contained in that word. Jesus is the answer. And I've been challenged in myself and in my own life that in every situation that I look at, that Jesus is the answer. He's the peace. He's the strength. He's the joy. He's the provider. He's the healer. And every situation that I face, he am. Come on. I don't care about grammar. He am. It means it doesn't matter what time. It doesn't matter what space. It doesn't matter. He am. In any situation you look at, he's already been there, and he is there, and he am. And he says to them, what's your need? They're looking for resurrection, and he says, I am. When we went to pick up these bikes, we'd ask for somebody, and that person would came up, and we'd say, we're looking for I am. I'm looking for so-and-so. I am. I'm looking for resurrection. He sends, I am. What is dead in your life today? What is dead 
in your life today, I'm here to tell you that he am. He's the answer. And when you write it down, he says, I take care of all of that because I am. I am the answer. I want you to see the word resurrection means to change the state of being. Resurrection means to change the state of being. It means that what was dead is alive. Another thing it says is what was laying down is now risen up. It means that whatever situation that you say is dead will actually change that state of being and become alive. Think about that. The resurrection power that Jesus has can take something that has no breath, that is dead, and make it live again. He wants to change the state of your being. He wants to change the state of your finances. He wants to change the state of your family. He wants to change the state of your marriage. You say, my marriage is dead. Jesus can make it alive again. He wants to change the state of your health. He wants to change the state of your mindset. He wants to change the state of your outlook. Either Jesus is the answer, or I've spent 50 years of my life looking at the wrong thing. And I'm not trying to be silly, but I am convinced with everything in me that Jesus is the answer. I am convinced with everything in me that Jesus am. I am convinced with everything that's within me that everything in my life comes into alignment with what Jesus says, and I'm starting to change the way I think from here to start seeing what he sees. And he speaks life. He speaks the possibilities. He speaks what the Father shows him. What I find interesting is he says, not only does he says, I am the resurrection, but he says, and the life. God is not interested just in raising up again that dream that you had, but he's interested in breathing life into it and causing your life to be transformed because of what he does, what he says, what he breathes. The resurrection is one thing, but then he says, not only are you going to be raised from the dead, what good is being raised from the dead if you've got no life after that moment? So he says, I'll raise you from the dead and I'm the life. What life do you need in your life? I believe the Spirit wants to break forth today and give you new hope to cause those things that you thought were dead to be alive and life breathed into them from the Holy Spirit, from God himself. I'm the resurrection and the life. Amen. Gift, would you be able, gift, 
Would you be able to make sure the children are coming back? Oh, Charlene went, okay. I'll just read a, a paragraph I wrote. Jesus is the resurrection, but he also is the life. Not only does he want to raise you, but he wants to breathe into your being, into your situation, into your family, into your finances, into your health, into your marriage, into your spouse, into your career, into your emotions, into your mode of operations. And he wants to resurrect and give you life, new life. He wants to give you new happiness, new health, new joy, new energy. That's what Jesus does. That is the power of I am the resurrection and the life. We should be dispensers of the greatest gift this world has ever seen because of who lives inside of us. We should... People should look at me and they should say, you look different. People should look at us as believers and we either have something to offer or we don't. Right? We either have something to offer or we don't. The children, you can sit with your parents. That's all right. As believers, we either have something to offer or we don't. Amen? We either have the life, the resurrection, the power, the anointing of Jesus and what he has done and the Holy Spirit living in us and God the Father standing on our behalf, or we don't. And I'm looking outside this generation, outside these walls, and I see people that are screaming out for something that's real. They're not interested in just something that you just show up two, day, two hours a week and do. They're interested in something that affects their life. Jesus, every in instance that I see here, he, he caused somebody who couldn't see to see. He didn't just say, ah, sorry about that, buddy. Maybe next time. He caused somebody who was dead to be alive again. Jesus is the one that brings a difference into the situation and into this whole dynamic. And as he was speaking to them, he sees what the Father is doing and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those dead things that are in your life, Jesus wants to say, no, I am the one that will cause them to come up, spring up, and you will see new life inside of you and around you because of what I have done. I want you to think about what are those things in your life that you might say they're dead. I, I, I don't think there's hope. I got five things I want to share with you and we're just going to read them very quickly and then we're going to give some bicycles away. But I got five principles of living from verse 25. The first one I want you to see is that the life Jesus has is better than the life that we live and breathe. And he came and he offered something that was better than they had. 
And the life that you live, if you're not living it 100% for Jesus, I'm here to tell you the life that he has and that he offers is better than the life that you can live. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. That beat the situation they were in. The first thing I want you to see is Jesus, the life that Jesus has is better than the life that you could live without him. I don't know about you, but this makes me want to stay a little closer to him. This makes me want to get close to him. This makes me want to to understand him more. Second thing I want you to see from that verse is that Jesus says to you today, I am. If you've got questions, if you're looking at situations around you, if you're not sure what's happening, if you think things have died, I'm here to tell you today that Jesus says, I am. I am. And he doesn't leave it for doubt. I am. Whatever you need, I am. He is the equivalent or identical to what that question was. I am. Third thing I want you to see, and you got to listen to this one closely, life starts with believing. He says if you believe, you're going to have life. You say, well, I'm living life. If you're not believing Jesus, I would suggest to you you're not really living life. And I can show you a few other scriptures. John three sixteen: Whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Believing, life starts with believing. And that word believing means trusting. When you trust, you take yourself out of the picture and you put somebody else in that place. And sometimes what we do is we trust one another and I will fail you. I will disappoint you. I won't be available. And what happens is we get distrust and we we build walls. But Jesus says, no, I am. And if you believe me, if you believe me, if you trust him, there's things that I'm trusting God for that I just cannot do a, a lick about. There's things I cannot do anything about. And I'm learning. I just trust him. As I was sharing with somebody the other day, I'm, I'm, dump, I'm jumping in, sink or swim, I'm diving in. Life starts with believing. You want to... You want to get an exciting life, a fun life, an adventurous life? Start believing Jesus. Start believing everything he says. <laughs> like, like start, start reading this and going, huh, five fish, two loaves, bring it on. Start, start looking at it and going, huh, he says that he's the living water and I'll never thirst again. 
And start reading what his word says and start believing it. And life will happen. Charlene, you, have do, do, you are doing this. I am so proud of you. You are pushing the envelope and you are saying, no, the word says healing is for today. The word says call unto me. And you are driving it and you are pushing. You are going to see things happen. And it's going to, I believe things are already happening. You just don't realize it yet. But there's going to be more. Don't ever stop. When you read what God says, don't stop and say that isn't for today. You want to live a life, you start believing. Number four, in the story here of Lazarus, I want you to know that Jesus is interested in your here and now. He's interested. That's why he raised him. He didn't say, oh, you know what? I'm going to enjoy him in heaven. But Jesus is interested in your here and now. But he's also interested in your there and then. As he says, you're going to have life. And then he says, and you're going to have eternal life. Jesus is interested in your present, but he's also interested in your future. And the last thing I want you to see, and if you look at the book of John, and if you read about the book of John, you'll find out there's a few words in that book that aren't in necessarily the other Gospels. And one of the words is glory or glorified. And what Jesus was doing, and John, as he was moved by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's giving glory and he's showing the power and the majesty of Jesus. And even in this passage, if you read chapter 11, you'll see at least two times where Jesus says, this is for the glory of the father this is for that the son may be glorified and what happens is in this passage and in your life if you have dead things in your life and Jesus comes and he resurrects them it is not for your glory it is for his glory we've got to start we've got to stop saying you know I'm the guy that brought the miracle the miracle came because of him And he will use you, yes. And you get the pleasure of joining him, yes. But don't start putting your name in the parentheses or in bold letters. It's the glory to him. And what's funny about that is sometimes if we get that mixed up, he will use the people that we think are the least qualified and something will happen and we'll go, what about me? So number five, your life story is actually a life glory. Live your life. Instead of making a life story, make it a life glory. Make it a glory of God. Amen? I want to pray for you. I'm not asking you to stand up right now, but I'd like you to close your eyes for a moment. Because I believe the word of the Lord this morning, the Holy Spirit, I believe he was speaking to us that there are some things in your life that you might have thought are dead. Maybe it's a dream, a friendship. Maybe it's peace of mind. Maybe you've thought this will never happen. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. So I want you just to close your eyes.
And I'm going to pray that he would breathe on you. Also, I want to give an opportunity if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. What I've been talking about today is Jesus and how he takes dead things and makes them alive again. And he can take your life and it says believe in him and you'll have eternal life. It's not 28 steps. It's very simple. You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that he's the Savior, Jesus Christ. And eternal life is there. So I want to just pray for you if you've never accepted him. Also, if you haven't and you do to pray with me in that prayer, I'd love for you to tell me afterwards just so that we can establish a point of contact, a relationship. So I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray if there's any here that do not know you as their personal Savior, Lord, that you would give them life where there used to be death. Lord, that they would see that you are, that you am the resurrection and the life, that you satisfy every need that they may have, that you are the one that satisfies that. So, Lord, I pray that you would wash away any sin, any missing the mark, any falling short, and that you would just cleanse them from all unrighteousness and that they would actually rise up as a new person taken from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your dear son. So Lord, I pray for any here. And if you're here, if you express that, and if you just identify with that, you just speak that to the Lord right now. I also want to pray, Lord, for any here that might be looking at situations in their life that they might say this is a dead situation. Lord, I ask God that you would give them the vision to see what you see that we would believe what you have to say and that we would grow and know the life that you have, the resurrection life that supersedes any life that we could ever live. I speak over finances. I speak over health. I speak over personalities. I speak over ways of behavior, modes of behavior. And I speak life to those things that we think are dead. And I speak life to them. I speak life to families, marriages, to children, relationships. Speak life to careers, dreams that we had that might think that they've been squashed or lost. But Lord, you are the resurrection and the life. Lord, and that you bring those things back to life for your glory and for your goodness and for your praise. So, Lord, I make that declaration that things that we thought were dead are alive again because you are breathing into them. In your precious name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.